Okay, on my left here is Bill Campana, who I've known since like October of 1997. 97, yes. And, and uh, to my right is Patrick Hare, the the uh, recently knighted in his native England, the Reverend Dr. Sir Patrick Big Daddy Hare. Yes, the man who upstaged me at my own wedding is Bill Campana. <laughs> I had this neighbor, Uncle Milty, who rarely wore a shirt. But he wore a shirt for the wedding, and he could not stop laughing at Bill's oration. Wow. Just think how we, how we would have laughed had he been naked, or shirtless at least. Oh my and I goodness. wasn't wearing pants either, so there's... No, I wasn't. <laughs> Explains the laughter. Yes. Uh. My fly was down. So uh, how uh, are you uh, doing in the, uh, the COVID times, Patrick? Lots of working from home. Um, actually, I can't go back into my work until they make it safe. Wow. And then I wish I'd say that. Opening it in phases. I've, been, so. I've, I, I've barely missed a beat. But I'm, I'm still healthy. I, I, I haven't gotten the COVID. That's yeah. a good thing. Well, I've been avoiding. I got the 19 enough. part. I didn't need the COVID. I got the 19. <laughs> I could use a little 19. Start up. We had Bill Campana 19. I was 19 again. Putting the numbers after. Yeah, 19. BC 19. I got 19. I got a 19 year old in the trunk of my car. Boom. Shame. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I had one piece where it was like last week I met a 19 year old who reminded me of myself at that age, so I shot him. <laughs> Uh, well, Father's Day's coming, so... That is true. I'm excited about that. I might get to see my daughter. No? I don't see her too often uh, these days. What's she doing? She is... Uh, she's working at a at a preschool day-slash-daycare center in Mesa. Yeah, over on... Uh, really? Alma School in Guadalupe, in that area. Over by the uh, the Angry Crab Shack or yeah. the Angry Crab. Have you been there? No. We should go there. Yeah. yeah, I'll bet. It's a very New Orleans style sorting bag. You just dump it on the table. They just bag. dump it on the floor. Mm -hmm. Get your food out of the bag. Here, get it and get it and here's go. A here's a here's a bucket of chum. <laughs> go. Eat, eat chum. So it looks like uh, it looks like. Uh, Yes, I did. They're poems you won't find in the book, which Ooh. is a terrible way to sell anyone's book. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, hey, what the hell? I've graced people with things that they haven't heard a billion times, and yet they're still two years old. Um, and they'll tune in for that. Well, that's good. Um, so I'll start with one which is called Commuting Endpoints. My life pretty much revolves around going to work and visiting the grocery store, so the poems tend to reflect that. On the way to work in the big new building off I-17 in Peoria, a motorcyclist with cameras on his helmet was trying to pick a fight with motorists. I have to drive around the backup and probably end up as a minor player in a YouTube video or a prosecution exhibit. At McDonald's, they didn't have the drive through sign turned around, so I could see the breakfast combo numbers, so I have to ask for the McGriddle meal like some kind of idiot who only understands pictures, and when I got to the window, the cashier didn't even know what I ordered, so I had to say it again, 
And when I saw the signs were backwards, he said something about, they must have forgot it. And all I wanted to say was, hey, why don't you take some damn initiative and spin the sign around yourself, because right now they is you. On the corner in front of the big QT station near the underpass, two homeless people were trying to rouse a third who was sleeping in an old red blanket on the sidewalk. They looked dirty and concerned. Two parables conflate in my head at the same moment. Prodigal Samaritan, good son, someone's honking and I don't have time to step out into the concrete canyon and ascertain the difference between strung out and freshly dead. I'm not one for prosecuting drug criminals, but I sometimes also think that anyone who sells to people who are that far gone should be kneecapped with a lead pipe, which is known to cause cancer in the state of California. But this is Arizona, and I'm mad before I can even pull into the dark-covered parking space, and I can't even tell it if I'm feeling rage for the daily parade of wasted potential or the simple fact that the goddamn sign was backward. Yay! What'd you think of that, Bill? I like that. I like all of Patrick's poems. There, there aren't too many I don't, I don't, I don't uh, tingle when I hear. I tingle inside. Tingle, not tinkle. Not tinkle. Tingle. It was a weird time because with the place I was working, they, they moved us from one office to another temporary location while they were rebuilding the original location. And so it, it was over, yeah, I-17 in Peoria, which is just a lovely area. <laughs> <laughs> They, we were right near the Rosamofford Sports Complex, and in that little complex over there, they had people who were always parking at the park at a certain time of day. And, of course, they were waiting for delivery from the guy who would ride up on a bicycle. So, <laughs> Panic in Needle yes. Park. That's kind of it, yes. Yeah. Good old-fashioned, or the Pacino, not Pacino, yeah. <laughs> you know, Drugs are so cool. I, I think we should all do drugs, hard drugs. <laughs> no, I don't think we should. Yeah, and it didn't. That movie didn't actually exactly glamorize it, and it's, but it's still like, well, geez. I've never seen <laughs> that movie. Either. I've never seen it. I've oh, heard about it. It's a good one. Yes, if you want a a gritty New York in the 1970s movie, which nowadays all those movies look like there's an alternate universe where the, all this weird post-apocalyptic crap was happening, but that was just New York City in the 1970s. Just ask Spiro. <laughs> yes. He had the 90s version. He lived it. So anyway, yeah. Disney fight it. Yeah. Anyway, so I have a piece here called If I Could Only Write What's Going On Inside My Mind, I Believe My Poetry Would Be a Hell of a Lot Better. The great portrait painters are able to capture the contents of the subject's mind and apply it to their facial expressions. At least I think that's what should happen. Of course, some people are able to accomplish this on their own without having to sit for an artist. Others fail miserably and walk around in public looking ridiculous. Did I ever tell you the one about the traveling Bible salesman who steals Bibles from motel rooms? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Can I read another one since that was very so short? Go ahead. This is your podcast, Bill. You do what you want. All right. This is called Mask of Loneliness. This, loneliness. this was written uh, after a trip to the supermarket. In this time of the pandemic, I play a little game with myself. 
When I'm out in public, I pretend the people wearing masks are smiling at me. I find this so heartwarming that I pretend to smile right back at them. And when the COVID-19 is over and the masks are gone, we can all get back to knowing just how we feel about each other. The end. <laughs> I do that at work, too, when I have my mask on. I just I pretend I'm smiling at everybody, and then I'm not smiling. Not even. <laughs> You know, you, you find, like, you try to raise your eyebrows and stuff to try to get people to yeah. notice that you're happy with it. Yeah, and if somebody say, says they're quitting, I, I put my mask on so I could, you know, tell, oh, if you could only just see how disappointed I am right now that you're going. <laughs> oh, his eyebrows are kind of high for disappointment, yeah, aren't they? <laughs> this is just sincere heartbreak I've got. And you could, you could read it right on my face. And then I take the mask and it's just like, it's elastic and I just shoot it off. <laughs> <laughs> and they see how I'm actually feeling about them. They go, that son of a... Get it, get that, get it. So how you doing, Patrick? <laughs> you people can't see us, but uh, I'm wearing a hat. Which is just really odd, because it's not like I've never worn a hat before. Uh-huh. I've just changed hats. I, I've, gone to a, I've gone to a fedora, Australian wool. I got another one on too. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I haven't had a haircut since February, so I don't know if it like it grows out to a certain extent where you become like John Lennon and shave your head in 1970. I believe I do have another. Yeah. Pen. Okay. There's another me, but we rarely meet. In fact, it seems like I haven't seen him in quite some time. He lives in the future. I see something at the bookstore and buy it for him because I am sure he will read it someday. Thousands of pages await the delicate pinch of his fingers. I got him enough DVDs to eat lemon meringue pie in bed and watch movies for a whole year, and then I got him Amazon Prime and Netflix so he can binge watch all those shows you have to talk about if you want to make it up the social ladder. As of now, the streaming service impatiently sits, hoping for a day I can count down the seconds before automatically starting the next episode. Every once in a while, he checks in to play a Legend of Zelda game for a console that was made two systems ago, but he was nowhere close to being finished. At one point, I bought him downloadable game credits, which are ultimately destined to evaporate back into the cloud. The other me is starting to cause me anxiety. I used to love to go shopping and I would buy things for him, but now he has so much unused stuff that I resent him for spurning my gifts. I plan vacations for him, and he has never been to England or Japan or even to what he described as a lark of a town called Reno, Nevada. Another me seems to get more out of focus with every eyeglass prescription, and I think the trifocals nearly killed him. I remember when he was almost famous, when we were almost on the verge of being the same person, but I got sidelined in the process of maintaining today. I never thought I would have to be religious to find my other self. But lately it seems like it would take a miracle for him to get here. If he doesn't show up soon, someone else's aspirational person is going to find a treasure trove at my next yard sale. Two great words in that poem. Trove and sperm. (laughs) (laughs) The trove sperm. Isn't that a name of a band? 
It should be now. Trove sperm. Trove sperm. There we go. We did. <laughs> Who produced them? Is that the... Phil Spector did one. Oh my gosh! I have the uh, wall. Of, that was the wall of sperm. I, I I had just bought the uh, Death of a Ladies Man album. Oh God! You, <laughs> even if you didn't know Leonard Cohen, you would have known it was Phil Phil Spector. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a wall of Leonard. It's that that is, I, I read Leonard's biography, and when they were making that, Phil they came over to Phil's house. Phil watched the door. He came get out. Oh yeah, I think I you put a put a gun to Cohen's head. Said, I love you, Leonard. And Cohen said, uh, I sure hope you do, Phil. <laughs> yes, who would thought who would have thought that Phil Spector would shoot somebody? Yeah. Yeah. There was only a sign. Get a gun in his wig. I've got a, a short series here. Uh, the first piece is called Crime Never Leaves the Tip. And, and these, these poems involve mimes and uh, puppets. Two of my favorite things. A mime purchases plant-based meat products with counterfeit play money. A mime pretends to sing to a dying houseplant as its leaves fall to the sound of bombs. A celebrated support group crasher discusses online sperm banking while wearing a neon blue solar cod piece. A support group crasher with a barbershop quartet of mimes in a police lineup, then houseplants. Because man made puppets in his image. The audience never realized the biggest joke of the evening was that while on stage, in the middle of the act, the ventriloquist dummy began to assess the relationship and determined that he was real and the puppeteer should be the one spending off hours in his suitcase. His puppet's brother. Although filled with so many lies that I am beginning to look bad, the acoustics in my ventriloquist dummy's head are far superior to the sounds that I produce. When the ventriloquist is in the middle of an acid trip and the puppet begins to hallucinate, not exactly a show business tradition, but a showstopper nonetheless. Once again, this year's spokesperson for silence is puppet's brother, a mime who refuses to open his mouth. Uh, beings. The ventriloquist dummy was eight feet tall. The ventriloquist sat on its lap while insulting everybody and everything in the theater. As the audience grew violent, the puppet began to sweat maple syrup. The ventriloquist could not engage his dummy in conversation. Question after question went unanswered after unanswered. A painful four minutes of silence later, the stubborn Mr. Applewood was shown the curtain believing the audience would be treated to a monologue. Thank you. So, here's a challenge that I want to throw out there because I think it's hilarious. I think that people should send you their poems. Oh. You guys pick, pick one. Fox Knight. Yeah, Fox Knight. Yeah, if they want to do that, send one. Try, try, try to make sure it's not a real tongue twister. Yeah, it's going to be regular podcast. Oh. 
Uh, wear your masks. Stay safe. Uh, stay in the your pets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Bob Barker and Betty White could be spayed and neutered, then your pet could be spayed and neutered. Yeah. <laughs>